Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Tip to Tail. This podcast is brought to you by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only dedicated crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. My name is Bridget. And I'm Sydney. Here on From Tip to Tail, we are bringing you raw, unscripted stories from animal welfare leaders. Together, we'll dive into the work that they do, the struggles they face, and the lives that are saved along the way. It is our 13th episode, and we would love to hear from you and see what you think so far. So go ahead and leave us a review below and have a chance to win a cuddly swag shirt. Today, we're speaking to Jessica and Claudia from the Little Lion Foundation. A popular belief about our shelter system is that those adorable tiny kittens will be safe, taken care of, and adopted out if taken to an animal shelter. And unfortunately, that's not the case. In fact, most kittens under eight weeks of age are euthanized upon intake or on the same day. The Little Lion Foundation is the very first rescue in Long Beach, California to point their main focus on these innocent, fragile beings. So let's get started. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Claudia. How are you? Pretty good. Good. How are you? Good, good. Are you surviving? (laughs) (laughs) We are. Um, It's a lot of work, but we are surviving. (laughs) Good. Well, so, I mean, we're such big fans of the Little Lion Foundation. Personally, like, I feel like your branding is so cute. And Mm -hmm. of course, I'm a big fan of tiny kittens. (laughs) So, and you both are, are, are you fairly young too as well, right? Yes. I actually just turned 22. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I know. I I think we were actually just talking about this. You guys are so accomplished for how old you guys are. Well, I'm not young. I'm 49. (laughs) Oh, still accomplished though. Young at heart, probably. (laughs) Yeah. You'd have to be to be around all these young adults. (laughs) Yeah. I I know. I feel, I do not feel young at heart. So, (laughs) Um, well, so how did the rescue get started here then? So we actually started out fostering for another organization and we became one of their biggest neonatal kitten fosters. Um, And after that, we just kind of saw the need, how many kittens there were, how little bottle feeders there were. So we decided to branch off and open our own rescue that focuses solely on the neonates and the underage. I think it also in our fostering for that other rescue, we realized how therapeutic it is to be able to save the lives of these young animals um, who would otherwise be killed. Absolutely. And I mean, one thing I know that was super shocking for me was the rate at which like that these very, very young kittens are usually the number one euthanized animal in these like shelters. I know. I think you, you see such a cute, tiny little thing and you're like oh you'll be fine like everyone's gonna want to jump at the chance sees the tiny little kittens and thinks if i take them to the shelter they're gonna get adopted super fast they're super tiny they're cute and everyone loves kittens but it's that's just not the case it's the round the clock care that the shelters just they don't have the resources to provide it absolutely I mean, so it sounds like you're you're championing like the itsy bitsy ones mm-hmm. here too, um, which is so great because I know just from personal experience that I mean they do require such intricate care, um, and it like it's not just a 
like they can survive on their own. Um, (laughs) So can maybe you go into a little bit of detail about uh, what it takes to take care of one of these neonatal kittens here? Absolutely. Um, So typically when we get neonates, we get them from the shelter and most times because they are, they don't have their moms, they are not in good shape. They're usually very cold. They're not very active. So we automatically, the first thing you have to do is get them warm before you can even feed them. A kitten cannot digest any food unless it's warm. So you get them warm and then you just you have to feed them every two hours, round the clock, even through the night until they're about two to three weeks old. And then it gets a little bit easier, but yeah. Oh my gosh. It gets easier in the feeding every yes. two hours, but it gets uh, more difficult in like weaning and, you know, all of the fun stuff that goes along with babies. Definitely. And I mean, I know for, I mean, so I'm fostering, I've been fostering some kittens during quarantine and I did not realize what a difference it is having a litter that has had a mother versus a litter that does not. Mm -hmm. It's really been very shocking. I mean, I, I know like even like, so weaning, litter training, all of that is so different because I know like for me, like I had to get down and like teach them with their little paw. Like this is how you (laughs) use the litter box. It's, it's a, it's been um, interesting, but it's also been super rewarding because I know it's, I mean, I feel a bit like their mother at this point. So I'm sure it's, it's eye-opening yeah. too, because I feel like when it's a smaller animal, I think a lot of people tend to think, oh, they're not going to be that much work or, you know, the smaller the animal, maybe the less care that they'll require. But with those little baby kittens, especially, I mean, when they don't have a mother and you're having to teach them all those behaviors, I feel like it's so much more work than people realize. Yeah, it's actually, in my experience, it's the opposite. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've also fostered neonatal puppies before, and I I have some right now. And I've noticed the larger breed puppies are a lot easier to care for. The smaller breed are very difficult. The smaller they are, the more difficult their care is, in my experience. Well, so then how have things been going? I mean, obviously, things are starting to open up a little bit now um, through quarantine and COVID. Obviously, not entirely, but how, how are things going through quarantine, having these round-the-clock round the kitten um, situations going on? So I think that we've been able, when COVID hit, we saw a giant response to people that wanted to foster. Mm-hmm. So we have even more neonatal and, you know, weaning underage kittens, underage meaning like eight, eight weeks and under, um, people fostering them. So we, we have like three times as many fosters as we've ever had. Yes. That's incredible. We have actually, since January 1st of this year, we've already surpassed our annual numbers from all of the previous years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we have and I just ran our numbers. Little Lion Foundation has taken in 372 kittens since January 1st. Our annual numbers are typically between 315 and 325. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you have seen like an influx in, I mean, not only like fosters and things like that, but you have seen an influx in like animals. So part of that is in, is because the shelters have been closed as well. Mm -hmm. So they're not taking in many of the kittens at all, if any. 
Um, I know our local shelter, they are usually jam packed right now and they hardly have anything. So we've actually, our team has been doing more street rescue Mm -hmm. because the public is contacting us for help because, you know, for one, people are at home, they see what's going on in their yards and they don't have anywhere to take them. They can't get into the shelter to take them. So they contact us and our team has been going out and doing a lot of TNR. We've been getting feral moms with their babies, if at all possible. We have gotten a lot of neonates. Yeah, that's why we have such an influx. But we also have had an influx of fosters. So it's been a really bad time for humans, I think, with COVID. But for the cats, it's been a great, (laughs) great time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like too, like all of these kittens that are being raised during this time are just going to be the absolute best pets too because they've been right? socialized so yeah. well. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like they're yeah. absolutely spoiled. And so when it comes around, it's like all these adopters that are going to get like the sweetest, most loving animals in the world. <laughs> yes. That is so true. <laughs> and people say that our kittens are the most friendly, most lovable. And that's exactly why, because we get them at such a young age, they like really bond to humans and they need human contact. So yeah, and a lot of them have been adopted by their fosters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little foster wins. Yes. <laughs> well, I did want to ask actually, because um, I'm sure there are many people out there who are listening right now who perhaps want to get involved or they want to volunteer, you know, whether it be fostering or bottle feeding or, or just helping out. So how would one go about doing that? What would you recommend? So we have all of our volunteer opportunities on our website at littlelionfoundation.org slash volunteer. Got a list of every opportunity that we have and you can click on the one that you're interested in and then it's got its own separate um, volunteer form that they would fill out. We do have our, we have three PetSmart adoption centers that we are always looking for volunteers for. We have our kitten nursery that is located here in Long Beach that we need as many volunteers as we can get. We also, we're starting to hold adoption events again. We're having our first mm-hmm. one this weekend. So, so exciting. Yeah. Wow. We, we think social distancing. <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah, we, we always love to have our team at our adoption events that we can just kind of hang out and try to find homes for the kitties. And yeah, so there's a lot of opportunities that volunteers would be able to go through. So are you still looking for a a lot of fosters? Cause so I've heard that. So I know every year kitten season tends to be a little Mm -hmm. intense for a lot of, I mean, for so many rescues, but specifically for all of these cat specific rescues Mm -hmm. and I heard that this year it started a little early and kind of went a little late so is it do you feel like it's winding down or is it still going strong the second wave is actually starting to hit Mm -hmm. so we're starting to see more and more neonates that are under two weeks old right now because they are female cats they can have up to three litters a year so first kittens that came they're all growing up, they're getting older, and female cats can actually start reproducing at four months old. So those babies that did not get fixed, they're now old enough and starting to have babies, and it's just this whole cycle. So we see about three waves of neonates usually a year. 
But I'm anticipating a lot more on the street because yeah. the shelters not the, the local shelters haven't been taking them in. Mm-hmm. So they're telling the public to leave them where they are with their mothers. But that just leaves to my view, leaves more kittens on the street to that's what I was gonna ask. What yes. would you do? If you find on one or you see that, one, what would you do? Yeah, and on top of that, the spay and neuter surgeries, they're not considered essential surgeries. And because Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. clinics, they have to use the same PPE, the personal protection equipment for Mm -hmm. um, human hospitals, they've basically stopped almost all surgeries. So a lot of our cats got left or they were, yeah, we're we're behind on our spay and neuters. Yep. We got a lot. We got pretty behind on spay and neuters. So that also means that TNR hasn't been happening. And Mm -hmm. so there's prevention happening for the kittens. But to answer your question, yes, we are going to be looking for more. We are actively looking for more fosters. Our kitten nursery, we're going to be kind of switching the model where we're going to be using more foster-based and then they'll come into the nursery for assessment um, and possibly just a two-week quarantine and then go to foster and then they'll come back through the nursery once they're ready to go out for adoption. I just find that it's so much better for the kittens um, when they have... They get a lot of care at our nursery, but when they're in a home, it's, yeah, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. I love that you um, have a kitten nursery, like just the images that are going through my head right now. Um, just <laughs> yeah. like, a, like a, almost like a baby nursery, but just kittens everywhere. I love Absolutely. that. <laughs> that was our dream. I don't know. When we first started fostering these bottle babies, I remember telling Jessica, you know, it would be so cool if we could have a kitten nursery. And just four years later, look, we've got a kitten nursery. That's so amazing. You know, there's um, there's just such a need. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially because I, I, when, you know, felines or cats get pregnant, they have large litters. They have so yes. many kittens. It's yes. not just, you know, the one or the two um, that you maybe see in, in dogs or other animals. They have big litters. The average, the average litter size for a cat is five kittens. Oh, that's a lot of kittens. I think, Bridget, you have, what do you, you have three right now, right, that you're fostering? Yeah. My last litter was four, but I felt very outnumbered. <laughs> I mean, when they start, because they were, they were like a few months, so they were like running around and scaling things, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, ninjas. Yeah. I mean, it's a bunchous stage. It's been um, really fun though, because I feel like, I mean, during quarantine is, I don't, I don't, I live alone. So it's been really nice to have like a lot going on (laughs) kind of. And I know, I mean, for me, like I'm a a bit of a neat freak. And so having these kittens has, I feel like I'm like giving them like the absolute best care because they're like really clean all the time. But yeah, no, I, I personally like, it's, it's a bit addictive. I feel like fostering these <laughs> kittens. Cause I feel like I have saved these lives and I'm, I feel like I've been um, a part of their adoption process. So it's been really mm-hmm. nice to be able to pick out these amazing families for them. So, yeah. I mean, how, what is it like fostering for you? What do you I mean? mean I, I guess it's a little bit different depending on what litter you have, if it's neonatal or different things, but I mean, I know maybe some people may be nervous about like if they've never fostered before, like jumping in and having all of a sudden you go from like zero to six kittens potentially. (laughs) So, I mean, what is it like? I mean, I imagine you have like a really great support system. 
So our organization, we have a closed Facebook group where every single one of our volunteers and fosters are on it. All of our volunteers and fosters are welcome to ask any questions on there. We have about 180 people on that page that are actively answering questions and helping people. We also assign each foster a foster mentor. So we have a small group of our core fosters that are very experienced with critical care. They know what signs to look out for. So our new fosters are assigned a foster mentor and that mentor will be the one that they contact with questions that they have. And if there's an emergency, that mentor will rush out and help them with any sub-Q fluids or anything else that they might need. Just have wow. like, yeah. you know, my kitten hasn't pottied in 24 hours, <laughs> you know? We try to make it easy um, and fun. Yeah. We, we try to make sure that there's somebody available because they're so tiny and people think, oh, I can't do this. But I mean, we were just talking earlier about how difficult it is, um, but it's it's not undoable. I mean, it's not something you can't do. It's once you get the hang of it, it's it's really rewarding. It's fun. And it's really yeah. not that difficult. Yeah. And I think if you have the right support system, it's it's really easy. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of like a mentor program because I know just for me, there were like things where I'd look at a cat and be like, is this normal? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Like, like you've got a little pot belly. Is that fine? Or Mm -hmm. like, are you, are you tubby or is there something wrong? Yeah. (laughs) We implemented that mentor program last year and we found that it has helped our fosters so much. They just, they feel very confident in what they're doing. And if there's areas that they don't feel confident in, we, we know that there's someone there to help them. Um, we, our mentors rush out at all hours of the night. So if we get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning of a foster that has a kitten that isn't doing well, and they're really worried, our mentors will rush out to that foster and meet up with the kitten and assess them do anything that they might need and advise the foster on what to do next. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great safety net, especially like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I imagine not all your fosters are probably going to be sticking with you for a while then because they feel like they just have so much support and they're like set up to succeed there. That's great. That's the idea. (laughs) You know, I mean, when we first started fostering the kittens, we didn't have anyone. And so we kind of modeled those yeah. after what we wouldn't want to do. I mean, what we what we weren't getting from yeah. our rescue. We wanted to be different. Um, and we want to support the people as much as we do the kittens. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so wonderful. And I mean, it really speaks volumes about, I mean, so how, how long ago did the rescue start then? We opened Little Lion Foundation on May 26th of 2016. How large is it now? We have saved about 1,500 kittens so far total. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a team of about 160 to 180 active people. And that's that's volunteers and fosters. Yeah. We have... What was the number this morning? We have 179 kittens in foster right now. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's and incredible. those kittens are separate from the kittens that are housed at our kitten nursery right now. That's so incredible. That's, I mean, I feel like that speaks volumes in itself. And I know that you've, you've done some really great partnerships. I know we went to an event where you're 
the kitten lady was speaking. And I think she was the one listening to her speak. I got convinced. I'm like, I need to foster kittens. (laughs) It just looked like so much fun. And it's been really great. I can't speak more highly about it because I I know like taking in a dog for me wasn't really doable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, but these kittens have, have been totally doable and manageable. And so are you partnered with any other rescues in the area or just to some shelters or... So we we strongly believe in partnerships. Mm-hmm. We will partner with basically anybody <laughs> that wants to partner as long as they are as long as we're moving towards the same mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and our mission obviously is to stop the needless euthanasia of kittens at our local shelters. So we have partnered with a couple of other organizations. We partnered for the kitten nursery. We partnered with the city shelter and another organization that just saw the need. That organization helped us financially to get the nursery up and running. Mm-hmm. We're now a year and a half since opening the nursery, and we are in the process of moving the nursery's ownership to be solely Little Lions. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so great. We really do believe that partnership is the best way to save lives effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, That's part of the reason that we did that kitten lady event too, because she has such a following and doing that event really did get us a lot of fosters. It brought a lot of awareness to the kittens needs in our area. Yeah. So that those events are great. We were trying to have her come back this year, but obviously that wasn't possible. (laughs) (laughs) I love that way of thinking. That partnership is just the way, like, together we rise. Like, let's just all work towards the same mission, you know? I know I I feel like I've said it, like, a million times. There are some rescues or some shelters out there who tend to stay, you know, in their own lane. So I'd love to hear. Every rescue has their own thing that they focus on. Mm -hmm. And we, what we do is we see that and we try to find a way that we can partner with them to Mm -hmm. work towards that same goal. So we have partnered with a rescue with multiple rescues that focus solely on just TNR. So they don't take in kittens. They don't, Mm -hmm. they don't do any intake. They just TNR the animals so that Mm -hmm. there's no more babies. So what we have actually done is we partnered with one of these other groups and our city shelter to take in the feral moms at the shelter. Mm-hmm. Our rescue takes the mom and the babies. Mom raises the babies because babies are always best with mom. Mm-hmm. And then once the babies are eating on their own, they receive their first vaccine and they're healthy. Moms get fixed and they go back to their outdoor home that they came from. So it's a good way to save a feral mom and all of the kittens mm-hmm. in the years more from being born. Yes. <laughs> in the years before, and even still in a lot of shelters, the feral cats that come in, they get euthanized right away because they're n- not considered adoptable. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault. No, it's not. <laughs> no. Well, and a lot of them just aren't socialized too. So mm-hmm. um, I remember there, there were a few, when I used to work at a vet, there were a few rescues that would bring in or, or TNR programs that would come in and bring their, you know, stray cats that they found to be fixed or to be vaccinated. Uh, and so many of them are just so scared. Um, yeah. you know, it's so, so easy to, you know, take that aggression the wrong way, um, especially in a shelter where you don't have like a lot of resources and things like that. So that's, I, I love that there are people yeah. out there doing that and giving those, those cats a chance. 
Yeah, more often than not, we have found that when we take the feral moms in, like this year, we've taken in a lot of feral moms with their kittens, Mm -hmm. and they've gone into foster homes, believe it or not. We have several people on our team that are very experienced with ferals and families. We help them get set up, and then the babies get old enough, and they start socializing the babies. But lo and behold, mama starts to trust everyone. Mm -hmm. And then now all of a sudden mama's not feral anymore and right. she was really scared and yes. did not get a chance or not, I don't want to say proper assessment, but you know, the shelters just don't have the resources mm-hmm. to do that. And they, they just misread them. They misread yeah. their behavior. I love like that transformation. That's got to feel so good to be that foster, to be that rescue that takes in, you know, that feral cat that, you know, no one thought you know, their behavior would change or people want to put down and just seeing them transform into this, you know, beautiful, loving, trusting cat again. It's, that's gotta be, oh, I get like chills thinking about how wonderful that must be. <laughs> just to have, best feeling. have the we knowledge have, that you changed that life. Yes. Yeah. We have one mama cat in foster right now. Her name is mama April. When we first got her, she was a pregnant mama. We, she was trapped by the TNR rescue that we work with and brought to us. Mama. I assessed her myself and for three weeks, mama absolutely hated me. She hated yeah. everyone. Um, she had her babies and mm-hmm. she, she needed some help with the umbilical cords. And that was fun trying to clip those. <laughs> um, she absolutely hated us, but right. we found a foster for her. And she went into foster and within two weeks, she's rolling on her back. She wants mm-hmm. belly rubs. Yeah. She's just the sweetest thing. And now she's up for adoption. We've also found that kittens are a lot of times mislabeled as being feral. Mm-hmm. So our nursery, yeah, we don't use the word feral for mm-hmm. kittens. Anything under kitten. three months old, we do not na- we do not call them feral. We'll what call them hissy. hissy. Um, <laughs> that's because you can you can socialize that out of a kitten. It's Mm -hmm. so easy. They just need a little bit of attention. So what we've done too with our nursery is we have a B-Mod program. It's behavioral modification. It's called our Hisses to Kisses program. So in these little kittens that are labeled as feral, they are unsocialized. They're super scared. A lot of times they try to bite you. They'll scratch. They hit. Mm -hmm. They're just really, really terrified. But our volunteers, we have dedicated volunteers that come in three times a day and they'll sit with them for a couple of hours at a time. They'll burrito them, they'll hand feed them. And within a couple of weeks, they become friendly, social and adoptable kittens. I love that too, because I think people assume that if they're volunteering, it means like scooping poop or, or Mm -hmm. like working accounting or or working Mm -hmm. at an event or something, but really something as simple as, Hey, will you go in and like play with these kittens for a while? Yes. That is just as important as the kennel cleaning. And absolutely. I mean, oh, I, such I a great time. Ask, um, so I know you guys take in a lot of, you know, pregnant moms, stray kittens, but you do take in quite a few medical cases that I've seen. I always ask this, is there a certain medical condition or, or a certain thing that is more prevalent in your area that you, that you see more often? I have noticed a lot of like ruptured eyes. Mm, I always see that. I I totally agree. I feel like I always see those. Yeah. But that has, I feel like that has a lot to do with just the, the care that they don't receive from Mm -hmm. living outdoors. 
hours. Yeah. A simple eye infection can turn into a major, major rupturing eye super fast in a young kitten. But those medical cases are actually where my heart is. We open Little Lion not just to focus on the neonates, but to focus on the medical kittens. Because a lot of people, they don't, they're afraid of the medical in the young kittens because a lot of veterinarians aren't trained to treat kittens. Mm -hmm. So we have actually worked very closely with Primary Care Animal Hospital here in Long Beach. And they have really worked hard to help us save as many kids as possible and I'm very very happy with what we've been able to do mm. and I think I mean, in the beginning they were not things. even like confident yeah they weren't real confident about treating the little ones but mm -hmm. they really like stepped it up and they're they're willing to go the extra mile to give them a chance mm -hmm. um, and we've really developed a great relationship with our vets yeah um, and that that's has amazing. saved a lot of little lives I mean we've taken a two-day-old kitten into the vet that had a severed leg <laughs> and there it, the leg has been infected and everybody's like there's not really anything I can do with this 80 gram kitten mm -hmm. and we're like no no there is you just <laughs> everything right let's do our best because our our thought is if they're gonna pass away might as well give them their very best shot mm -hmm. Aww, that gives me chills I love that too. You're just like fighting for this like smallest possible thing. Like this the fight we're going to fight. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a good and mentality to have, you know, if, if, you know, if everyone is betting against this cat, why not give it, you know, everything you possibly have to maybe change yeah. those people's minds or, you know, just kind of go the extra mile. Like why not? Yeah. If we do lose the kitten, it, it goes being loved. So is there one pet I mean that has had like a medical need that you feel like is that really like sticks with you while you work I mean I imagine you've seen so many inspiring things and in my head when you're going into a field and you're picking up these stray kittens or going into the shelter there and like maybe you see a cat struggling with a medical need there has to be one that sticks in your head that you're like no we did it for that kitten we can do it again mm -hmm. yes um and that would be my Emily I actually ended up keeping her. I adopted her myself. Um, I rescued her and her three siblings last year in March. They were two weeks old at the time and they had all four of them been pulled out of a car engine. Her brother had an eye injury and ended up losing the eye. This One of her sisters did not make it and then her other sister was just totally fine. But yeah. Emily came to me. She had a gash across her face from being in the engine. She mm -hmm. had puncture wounds and lacerations all over her body. She had a fracture to her front leg that actually ended up becoming very infected and it an abscess formed. She was only three and a half weeks old. Yes. I was gonna say how small, oh, so small. Yeah, she what was a not even a pound. Um, she, the abscess formed right on top of the fracture and the pressure from that actually caused a full fracture and it, the wound became necrotic and every vet, we had three vets tell us that might be best to let her go. She needed daily bandage changes for seven weeks and oh my gosh. she ended up yeah. losing the arm, but she survived and I still have her and that's my girl. <laughs> wow. I mean, 
that must be just like create such an amazing bond between the two of you. I mean, it's like you're you're going through this all together. You're like changing her bandages every single day and mm-hmm. and like going with all the highs and lows that she experiences on her own. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. I've noticed the medical kittens, they actually tend to become the sweetest. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I love that. Most so, I'm I mean, so grateful for the <laughs> help, I would imagine, yeah. you know? Emily, it was, uh, it really opened our eyes to helping the ones with the broken legs and mm-hmm. the fractures and, I mean, because necrotic they, wounds. so resilient. Right, that's what I was thinking. I was like, what an inspiration to have you know, as you go through, you know, rescue life is there was this cat that had millions of things wrong, uh, tissue, fractured bones, abscesses, and she still lived and she lives today happily. That's, that's in itself. It's just like inspirational. Very tricky case. The, her abscesses we found out were caused not just by the injuries she had when she came to us, but she had some very rare bacteria mm-hmm. that was causing abscesses all over her body. Mm-hmm. So she actually ended up with five different abscesses, but only the one became necrotic and really caused a lot of damage. Um, it was a bacteria called L-forms infection, mm-hmm. and she ended up being on antibiotics for three weeks to treat it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so much for just the tiniest body to go through. I can't even, like five abscesses. I like where, where do where go? would they go? I, yeah. that tiny body. <laughs> I know. Well, you see her now. She has an attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love a a good catitude. That's right. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, so is this is this your only job? Um, I mean, working with Little Lion, it sounds like you have so many people involved. There's so much being being done. Is there? Do you guys do uh, like other work as well? So I personally dedicate all of my time to the rescue. I don't do anything else except manage my fosters, and um, we do all of our the nursery and all of that. I don't do anything but the rescue. But Claudia does have a job. Yeah. <laughs> family therapist. Yeah, but I haven't been working um, since COVID started, so I've been doing rescue full time. Mm-hmm. Felines are so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So I try to implement that in my work too. Um, I've had kittens and therapy in the therapy room, and we've done I've done groups with kittens. Um, I just believe so much in having. I can't even call them pets because they're family members, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, having an animal as a family member. Well, what a great atmosphere too. Yeah. To be in therapy and and have, you know, that, that quietness of a cat, but that's, they're so quiet, but they're just, they're just knowing that they're there and they're supportive and, you know, animals just have those intuitive. (laughs) It depends on the cat, right? (laughs) Right. Probably be just jumping all over the place, but <laughs> always bring a smile to anyone's face. So. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I feel like, yeah, they do have so much power to like bring people together. I mean, I know there are people I would have never interacted with in my entire life, but because of animals, I'm like, we're both on the floor together. I mean, so. I mean, you've done so much. Uh, there, you've had so much success. I mean, and for us. We always see just more animal rescues starting every day. And so many of them that we work with are just like one in two people starting out just like with a 
basically a dream and a dollar in their pocket, basically. Um, What would you say have been like the keys to like a really, really successful growth and being able to be sustainable? Oh, find your focus. Yes. Find your focus and and stick to that. Um, We, when we first started, we were like, oh, you know what, we can do the neonates and we can focus on all, all of the, only the black ones that are hard to adopt. And, and we can take these and, you know, we were trying to help in all these different areas that we just didn't have the capacity to do it yet. Um, so we stuck, we chose neonates. We stuck to that. We have now succeeded and we have built that program to what we want it to be. And now we're branching out to like the nursery and other things that we wanted to do, the BMOD program and all of that. So I would just say, find your focus, stick to that and stay out of all of the rescue chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, It does, it can be chaotic dealing with other people. It can be very chaotic. The public, other rescues, the chaos is absolutely there. So be prepared for that. Yes. Mm -hmm. But as long as you stick to your focus and you keep your eye on the prize, you will be good. There, there are people out there that will support you. It's like you're literally hurting cats and it's sometimes the people that are the problem and then the, the chaos. Almost um, always. Yeah. Because you're dealing with personalities, you know, you're just really dealing with people. Um, I, my suggestion would also be don't forget people. Um, you know, you don't want to, you need people in order to complete your mission. Um, yes, it's really important to save the animal and do the best you can for the animal, but you don't want to mistreat the people either. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Well, so I know this is a dangerous question. I've learned that, but um, how many animals do you both have in your homes right now? <laughs> so we own four cats of our own, and then we have three dogs. And then I have four foster kittens. And are the three dogs the ones that you're fostering right now, too, or you're caring for right now, too? No, those are my personal dogs. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes, I have the four foster kittens and then the one puppy that is a neonate under a different rescue. So he'll be leaving pretty soon. He just needed critical care. So. Oh, my gosh. Full house. (laughs) Yes, full house. (laughs) Early on, we had way too many because we had that, that passion. We've got to save them all. But over the past couple of years, we've learned our limits. Um, and I think for everybody, you just kind of got to know what you can handle. Um, and the only way you really learn what you can handle is by having too much. <laughs> um, so that was why we really pushed to get the nursery going, because we wanted to be able to save as many as we possibly could mm-hmm. and provide the best care for them. And when you have too many in your home and you're the only one trying to care for them, you can't do that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love that you have dogs too. Cause I think people assume if you're a cat person, you're like, you mm-hmm. despise dogs. <laughs> nope. nope. We love dogs too. Um, we originally had talked about, cause we have two Huskies. We had talked about opening a Husky rescue and I'm so glad we didn't go that way. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, we love our dogs too, but I- I'm just a cat person. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, yeah, you have to follow your passion for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But in puppy sense, they're really the exact same as kittens. 
caring for them as neonates. It's exactly the same, Mm -hmm. the same schedule, that everything is exactly the same. It's just once they start weaning, that's when things get different. Yeah. foster for a couple of local dog rescues just temporarily when they are like when it's a neonatal puppy that needs like maybe tube feeding or um, round the clock care we actually purchased a couple incubators last year so we we have those that we can you know use with the puppies that's amazing don't get so many puppies so the, <laughs> the dog rescues don't have that skill yeah they don't have those skills and we have them, so we will help. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. so great. Well, so we we do have a little bit of uh, some fun questions. <laughs> so some of these are like pet specific, so you can always pick the pet in your home that you feel like would have the best answer, or if you want to answer for all of them, you're more than welcome to. What is the naughtiest thing your pet has done? <laughs> this can include fosters too, because I feel like yeah. you probably have had some naughty fosters as well. Uh-huh. That oh, is a difficult all. question. <laughs> always trying to be naughty. Um, I would probably say, well, for me, um, early on when we had our foster kittens, they chewed up like seven phone cords in like three weeks before I realized, oh, you've got to put them up. Um, yeah. I think that's probably the one thing that sticks out in my mind. <laughs> the chewing. Yeah, they like to chew stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they really do. I'm yeah. <laughs> I've, just lost, like, yeah. I've lost some plants for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I don't have plants because of that. <laughs> oh yeah. My whole house right now is like on shelves because of that. <laughs> like it's yep, like that's right. within reach. Um no, that's yeah. I can imagine chewing through cords too. That would make me so anxious. Like, are you okay? <laughs> no, I mean they weren't plugged in. I just kept like leaving them down. Um, oh, yeah, no. like, phone cords, and it was like seven in like a three-week period. <laughs> oh my gosh! And <laughs> all the toys that they had, they chose the phone cords instead. I actually think. My, uh, my dog Ben did that once when he was a puppy and he chewed the most expensive cord I had. He chewed my, my uh, computer cord and it was like a hundred dollars to replace. I was like, you had to choose that cord. Yep. Yep. Oh, I think always. They, they always choose the most expensive one. Yes. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Right. Yeah. Well, so if your pet could talk, what would be the first thing they said? <laughs> So I'm talking about my Emily and she is just full of sass. So I think the first thing that, and she's just got this grumpy look to her face. Her markings just make her look so grumpy. I think her first thing would just be, why are you here? <laughs> Every morning I oh wake up and with me, but as soon as I move, she'll look at me like, um, no, no, you're bothering me. And she's like, excuse me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. That's so great. Why are you here? <laughs> Claudia, what about you? Yeah. Um, um, Quinn. My Quinn. Yeah, my Quinn is a, a piece of work. She <laughs> wants to ride my shoulder all the time, and she's a full-grown cat. So um, oh. I don't know. I think her. what she would probably say is, excuse me. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. She's like a <laughs> Yeah, that's some of the sassiest cats. 
<laughs> then if you had to pick, this one's a little bit harder. Um, so if you had to pick one life motto, what would it be? One life motto. This one's always a little tough. It is. Because <laughs> you kind of have to condense it all. Yeah, for your yeah, whole life. Right. Keep your head up and keep moving forward. Yeah. No, oh, that's a good one. I like that. Definitely. I mean, in our, since we've opened, we have had some things happen where people are very negative. They try, there's always going to be somebody out there that wants to bring you down and stop your success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have had our fair share of that, but we've just blocked it all out, keep moving forward and we mm-hmm. have succeeded. So Same I focus. think just keep your focus and keep moving forward. Um, I like that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even like dealing with neonatals too, I mean, they are so fragile and I have to imagine like there, there are going to be some losses. And I I know just for me, like, I feel like it would be such a blow and maybe hard to keep on going, but it's like, if you let those things get you down, like the people or the losses, then that's, that's only holding you back from doing other great things. Yeah. So that is something that we talk to our foster mentors about too, because it does happen. Kittens are so fragile. Sometimes, I mean, if they don't nurse off of their mom, there's a very high possibility that they will not make it. They are just very fragile. We, we lose about 4% of our intake. I think last year we lost 18 kittens. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were spread out through different fosters. Each foster took it differently, and each one is always really hard. But we always inform our foster mentors to support them. We all reach out. Sometimes we'll send them a little gift through the mail. Um, and we just, our motto for that is when you lose one, you take the time you need to grieve that loss, and then you save another in their honor. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. My gosh, that's so like heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. I mean, saving another in their honor is so, so wonderful. Well, Mm -hmm. so ladies, thank you so much for, for taking, hopefully we're not uh, standing in the way of anyone being bottle fed at this point. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for, for shedding a little light on, on everything that goes into neonatals and specifically the caring for kittens. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. And we love Cuddly, by the way. You guys have helped and supported us in so many ways. I can't even explain and talk about partnership. Um, We love when our kittens get the little gifts in the mail and, you know, the food donations. It is so helpful. I can't even, like, explain to you how helpful you guys have been. That makes you feel so good. Yeah. You guys are so welcome. You deserve every bit of it. (laughs) The kitties do. (laughs) (laughs) What you do, you do amazing work. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We love talking to Jessica and Claudia today about their kitten nursery, their neonatal care, their amazing foster program over at the Little Lion Foundation. Uh, It's so incredible. I'm ready to go ahead and get started fostering just because of how supportive they are. If you are looking to learn more about the Little Lion Foundation, go ahead and check our blog.
And don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. We have two different style shirts and we'd love to send them to you if you give us a little bit of feedback. Also, you can follow us on social media at We Love Cuddly. That's C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks.